Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Sanderson Farms Championship. And joining me to break it all down, it's him. It's Sia Najad. Hey, Sia. Rick, I love the Ryder Cup, and I love playoff season, but I am so happy to be back in sort of that our normal safe spot where we have normal DFS and we have a cut sweat and all of that stuff. A full field. This is glorious. I'm very I'm actually like legitimately like happy about normalcy starting today. Yeah, this is uh this is just a warm a warm blanket, right? This is just cozy. We're going to get a cut. We're going to have that sweat. There's golfers at all different price ranges. We don't have to worry about the captain spot or anything like that. This is uh, this is home. I, I like this. I can do this. This is home. Sanderson Farms, Country Club of Jackson, has hosted this event every year since 2015, Mr. Sia. And uh, you look at some of the past champions here. This is an event that has uh, a handful of first-time winners. I think five of the last seven or eight have been first-time winners. But our defending champion is coming coming straight from Whistling Straits. That's Sergio Garcia, if you remember. Bryson DeChambeau won this in 2018. Kevin Na was right there in the middle in 2019. This is... Like, what are we looking for out of, uh, you know, kind of types of golfers for this week? Well, apparently we're not looking for good putters. Um, Sergio Garcia. No, but that's kind of comforting, right? So so I think, first of all, let, let's just go granular there with the putting. I, I think you can kind of lean a little bit more this week on guys who maybe you wouldn't have faith in from a putting standpoint, because we know there's there's people that have had plenty of success here, like a Sergio Garcia, that have been kind of weak in the putting department. And, and Rick, I, I think I'm guessing I haven't looked at your site in, ter- in terms of course dynamics yet this week, but I'm assuming that the off the tee game is going to be paramount here in terms of like where where the advantage is. I think the approach game, you know, the, the wedge game in particular, 75 to 125, maybe to 150. I think that's going to be really crucial here as well. But, you know, the, the rough's not going to be very penal. So hit it far. And you're you're probably going to be in in pretty good shape. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. But I think based on previous winners, I think any sort of type of golfer can win here for sure. Yeah, and let me correct this. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau did not win this event. I was very confused. Our outline is wrong. So our outline is a combination of Shriners and Sanderson Farms. I believe that 2018 winner was Cameron Champ. Here are the real. Here are the real champions. Sergio Garcia. Sebastian Munoz, Cameron Champ, Ryan Armour, Cody Gribble. I was so confused when I was trying to figure out who the first-time winners are on that list. Uh, we have now corrected that. So that is that is, that is is the, the the true facts here. Well, there you go. Uh, and so, again, got, you know, guys like Cam Champ and Sergio Garcia. I mean, and, and 
you know, Cam Champ's a bomber, but there's been guys here that that you know, and Sergio hits it his, hits it a long way. But there's definitely been previous champions or previous you know top five guys that have not been the bomber type. Like Zach Johnson's a guy who's done well here, for example. So I mean, I think you can Ryan Moore probably. I'm not looking at his history right now, but I think he's done pretty well here in the past. So there's shorter hitters that can succeed here as well. So it's again, you know, this is one of those things where it's going to be, you know, kind of a birdie fest again. I know that that term at this point sort of gets overused, I think, but unfortunately over the last few months, that's sort of, that's sort of been the case in a lot of these tournaments. And I think this one's going to be right up there. I mean, I think we're looking at, you know, 18 under 19 under, you know, for the winner. Yeah, on average, uh, 19 under par usually gets the job done. I will share my screen. I will pull up my website. This is the course model that Sia was referencing, and we were kind of all over it. It's, it's definitely a course that has benefited uh, distance over accuracy. Sia, the the rough, uh, not penal, and the guy who kind of can get a little bit of a hot putter uh, and make those birdies is the one that ends up either hoisting a trophy or having really good success. You know, Sergio Garcia, not a very good putter, but in his victory last year i think he gained two strokes putting which for sergio might as well be 10 sia if he yes. gains two strokes putting so uh otherwise it's a par 72 you're gonna get the full complement of uh par fives it's relatively long 7460 yards for that par 72 layout and the green size uh, about 6200 square feet on average so it's kind of i don't want to say it's unique it's not but greens larger than normal i think it's on the longer side you can pick apart some of these par fives but you're absolutely right um birdie or better average scoring making enough of those of those putts are certainly going to go a long way not only in fantasy scoring as they always do but also on the leaderboard yeah and that's why you know in my model i, I did incorporate you know birdie or better um you know good drives i put in there as well uh but yeah the, the distance thing is definitely going to be um more paramount or i should say more important than accuracy all right, let's jump over to the cheat sheet here because it's kind of an interesting uh, interesting little field. Uh, Sam Burns. Sam Burns at the top, $11,000 most expensive golfer on the slate, rounding out the over 10K crowd. Will Zalatoris at 10,800. Sergio Garcia, 10,500. Sungjae Im at 10,3. And Corey Connors at 10,1. Let's go through this a little bit here. I'm a huge believer, Sia, in, in Sam Burns. I think he's kind of the modern player. He has this unbelievable ceiling. I think he is uh, primed for a huge season, and that might just start right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Absolutely. And, and I think this price tag, it's going to be kind of eye-popping to some people, including myself. But I think you know, this, the, the pricing in this tournament, you know, I've built a couple lineups as everybody would know. And I, you know, you could, you could definitely play Sam Burns and it's not prohibitive. It's not like, oh man, what, what am I going to do? Because I, I can't get any other guys near the top. I think, you know, when you, when we go through the 9k range in particular, even down to some of the 8k guys, I think there's a lot of value there. So if you want to roster Sam Burns, that's great. The first team I built did not have Sam Burns, but I'm sure I'll be building some teams with him because I agree with you. I mean, talk about up and coming. If you're looking at this list in terms of just sheer talent and, and guys that will maybe we'll be talking about in a different context, maybe this time next year, for example, I think Sam Burns is right up there. Now, don't get me wrong. He's not the only guy. There, there's, there's at least like 10 guys here that I think are sort of on the youngish end. 
that like Mito Pereira is a guy that I think, I mean, in a year from now, I think we're going to be talking about him in a much different context. So we'll get to him. Will Zalatoris, of course, is here, but we know we know he's he's going to be there as well. So I like Sam Burns here. Um, I think Sergio is interesting, obviously, coming off the win. But, you know, his recent form has been really good, too. And if he has confidence coming in here with the putter, that means a lot to me. Yeah, let me put a bow on Sam Burns here. Uh, he has, so you talked about that ceiling and, that, and to win golf tournaments, you need to hit your ceiling. Sam Burns gained at least five, count them, five strokes on the field in a single round in 12% of his rounds last season. It was the highest rate on tour. He cleans up that one bad round each week that he seemingly likes to have. Uh, he's going to be winning a lot of golf tournaments. Also, Bermuda grass greens, by far his best putting surface. You mentioned Sergio. He's got to come back from whistling straights. There's always going to be that narrative around the um how how much how how taxed is he physically and emotionally from a Ryder Cup in which he played a lot of golf and came up on the short end of the outcome so we can talk about that but also uh Sung GM Corey Connors are we going anywhere else in this 10k range or is it kind of Sam Burns Sergio are they the one one a one b type golfer you know, with Sun JM, part of me wants to say, like, I don't know that he has the upside of some of these other guys, but he did finish second here in 2020. So, like, clearly he has upside to, to, to win this entire thing. I think in this range, the guy, I don't think I'm going to be on Corey Connors, surprisingly enough. I know we, he gets a lot of airtime on this show, and it's for good reason. But I, I think it's going to be Sam Burns and Sung JM for me. Um, I may sprinkle a little bit with Garcia and Will Zalatoris, but right now it, it's Sam and Sung Jay that are my favorite here. Sung Jae-in back to his ball striking ways. He gained strokes off the tee in six consecutive events at the end of last season. He gained strokes on approach in four of his last five, highlighted by a third-place finish at the BMW Championship. This is going to be, obviously, a much weaker field than we saw at the BMW. And Bermuda is, uh, by far, his best putting surface. So, uh, all things should be clicking in the direction of Sung J.M. Uh, Corey Connors, I, I tend to agree with you. I think he's just the odd man out. I like him. He's been very safe. He's been piling up top 25 finishes. I I just, I think he's he's just going to be trimmed because I like other guys more. And I think that's yeah. okay to say. Yeah, absolutely. It's, gotcha. not a, it's not a knock on him, ultimately. You, you, can't, you can only have so many guys up here. Correct. You cannot roster all five of these uh, 10K guys, <laughs> believe it or not. And actually, as we get further, it might be hard to roster one of these guys. We're going to have to get creative. That 9K range offers a little bit more salary cap relief. Mito Pereira already up to $9,900. Keegan Bradley at 97 and Siwoo Kim at $9,500. Uh, the bottom of this range is Cameron Tringale at 94, Sebastian Munoz at 93, HV3, that's Harold Varner III, at $9,200. And finally, Cam Davis at 91 and Charlie Hoffman at a flat 9000 dollars this is where things start to get interesting there are guys in this range that i like and there are guys in this range that i'm not particularly fond of what do you see when you start assessing this range well i'll say this i mean you can absolutely and i i think i say this every show you can absolutely start your builds in the 9k range as much as i might like the upside of sam Burns and sung jm i mean the upside for mito Pereira, for example and honestly even a keegan bradley or sebastian munoz like all of these guys ha have the requisite upside to take down this tournament so again from a saving standpoint uh, I think Mito is, is, is a fine starting point. Yeah, Mito's been phenomenal. He has uh, already four top five finishes in his last six starts. That's worldwide. That includes the Olympics. He's doing it in a, in a way that's super sustainable, which is via the ball striking. Yeah, he's just... 
He's a magnet towards the top of the leaderboard. He was all last season at the uh, in the Corn Ferry uh, Tour, and he has been in his short run here up on the PGA Tour since coming up on July 4th. Now, the rest of this range, you mentioned Keegan Bradley, who I actually think is kind of interesting. Who else might be making some of your lineups in the 9,000s? Yeah, you know, I like Keegan. I'm definitely going to be playing him. So it's it's Keegan and Mito for me. And then as I go down the list in the 9K range, there's two other guys. Well, there's really three other guys that jump out at me. And I'm honestly, Rick, I'm hoping you can kind of narrow those three down for me a little bit. One of them is Sebastian Munoz. I think this is a good course fit for him. He obviously has won here before. So I'm not, I'm not breaking any news by saying he's a good course fit. Uh, when he won in, in 2020, he had a 23rd place finish in, in 2021. That's fine. Um, I don't think he's going to get himself into much trouble here, which, which is nice when you're rostering Sebastian Munoz, Cam Davis is the other guy, Rick. I know you're generally a fan of his, um, yeah. you know, he's been a little kind of middling over the last month or two, but you know, we know he took down a tournament. He was sixth here last year. And obviously, obviously, he's a good course fit here for looking for distance off the tee. And then the last guy I'll just mention is Charlie Hoffman. I'm kind of always on Charlie Hoffman. I do think he's a value here in this field at 9,000. Yeah, I think that generally when you start to see the course model look like this, which is one that rewards distance over accuracy and one that rewards approach play uh, more than average, that is generally a good spot for Cam Davis. I do worry, even despite his his victory, uh, his advanced metrics at the end of, of last year weren't all that good i mean he won the rocket mortgage in kind of non-traditional cam davis style which was only gain a little bit off the tee be reliant on your short game that's a little bit scary and the rest of the run down the end of last season was 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 not very good to be quite frank so uh, i do like sebastian munoz you know someone for who has the ability to get hot obviously someone who has won this event i probably put him first out of the names that you mentioned. There's a little bit of love for uh, certainly for Cam Davis. And then, yeah, what like Charlie Hoffman, seemingly a lock to just be inside the top 25, um, which he has done each of his last two trips to the country club of Jackson. But like, what is Charlie Hoffman's legitimate real upside at this point? That see, that's sort of the question. But like when you look at his metrics, they're, they're sort of like too good to ignore. I mean, birdie or better gained over the last 50 rounds. He's number one. Uh, strokes gained off the tee, last 50 rounds, number 20. Um, strokes gained approach, number one. So it's, I agree with you on the upside thing. But at the same time, I think, I, I think my response would be, well, to the extent Charlie Hoffman has any upside, it would be realized in a field like this and on a course like this. You know, to the extent Charlie Hoffman can win a tournament, it's these types of tournaments where you're like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. You know, the model's kind of coming true, like all of a sudden, like this, this, this works, this, this makes sense to me. So when you have guys at, like near the top that are Sam Burns, no disrespect to him, but I don't think Charlie Hoffman is walking onto this course feeling very intimidated by that. The only other guy that I have interest in, and this is rare for me, Sia, because I'm, I generally don't roster a lot of Harold Varner the third. I, I just, I just don't, it doesn't, it doesn't end up happening. I think this might be the week. So last 24 rounds, he's uh, top five in strokes gained approach. I love that. And of those top five, he's the only guy who's gaining strokes putting in those 24 rounds. And he's gaining a lot, a half a stroke per round. It's basically a full stroke better than anybody else in the top five of the approach category. And then you go and look at his recent results and you see, okay, well, he finished 16th at the Fortinet. That was in Napa. Then he finished 12th at the BMW Championship, 11th at the Northern Trust. This is a really good stretch of golf for someone who 
in theory, might be able to get hot with the irons and wedges and roll the putts in. And I, I'm not generally rushing to roster him. Yeah, I mean, I, here's my thing on HP3. I first of all, I, I like the recent form quite a bit, so I'm with you on that, and I don't think he's a bad play. I will say this, however, and it, it's my rule that I've sort of dropped on this show: if he is popular, <laughs> if he is quote chalky, just yeah. fade him. Like, just it's not it's not worth it. And I'm not I'm not trying to be unscientific about it. I mean, we know there's variance in golf anyway, so you should be fitting the chalk, particularly in these GPPs. But like when it's chalk and it's Harold Barner the third. It's I'm I'm done here. We're, it's we're like good. it's like Louis chalk when Louis popular uh, when Louis twenty five percent owned you fade that when Louis six uh, percent owned that's that's the time. Um, oh, we could go all day here. Like speaking of day, Jason Day, like when he's chalk, I'm yeah. like nope, I'm out. Sorry yeah. guys. Yeah, I do worry about that. I do worry about finally finding the spot that everybody finds on on Harold Varner the third. I'm I'm worried. We'll have to do a little bit of soul searching. But to your larger point, so. Uh, we spent a lot of time in this range, whether it's Hoffman, Davis, Varner, Munoz, Keegan, Mito. That's literally all but two guys in this range that we have somewhat of a positive sentiment on. So you could really, uh, or I guess maybe I should phrase this as a question. Could you really bypass the guys at the top as much as you love Sam Burns or I love Sam Burns and start here and then not have to go down to the the depths of the $6,000 range and find guys that round out your lineups. Oh yeah, especially in these tournaments that that end up being birdie fests. I mean, we know that there's so much more volatility from from the ground up. In other words, from the 6k tier up when you have birdie fests. It's just that's just the reality of the situation. So there's never a lock in a tournament like this where, where, where you have like the birdie fest, for example. It's such an overused term. I wish I could come up with something better. But the point is, hmm. yeah, let's let's think about that. But the, the point is, it's very easy for me to envision every single one of these 10K guys in Sam Burns at 11K being just kind of middling relative to the guys in the 9K. I could absolutely see that scenario. So I, I, I would say this from a DFS standpoint, I'll be starting half my lineups in the 9K and probably half of them with one of these 10K guys or above. A scoring extravaganza. That seems too long. Doesn't roll off the tongue. Excoraganza. We'll come up with some some mesh of words. It'll it'll be better. We'll figure Uh, it out. Birdie Festa best. We will go down to the 8K range. We will go down to the 7K range. And we will even tread down to the 6K range, hopefully very lightly. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been Uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. 
It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. $8,000 range. I actually, as I was going through this after lineups came out very late on Monday, uh, I was actually going through and I was like, oh, okay, this 9K range, that's not so bad. This 8K range, okay, this actually isn't so bad. So like, I was I was actually pleasantly surprised with what I saw from this $8,000 range, and I won't read them all. Uh, yeah, I will. Here we go. Kevin Streelman, Seamus Power, Emiliano Grillo, Carlos Ortiz, and Matthew Wolf. That is the top half of the $8,000 range. The bottom half of it, Gary Woodland, Aaron Wise, Patton Kazire, C.T. Pan, Doug Gim, and Matias Schwab rounding out your $8,000 range. So, Sia, are you as um, surprisingly excited about this range as I am? Uh, towards the top, I am. I think towards yeah. the bottom, I, I'm not really that interested. I, I have a couple surprises, I think, towards the the middle and the bottom that guys I don't normally roster. But um, just starting with the the top end of the 8K range, I'll probably pass over Streelman. He's had success here, but you know, just course fit wise, I think I can do better. From he's going to be standpoint. he's going to be really popular too. Right, um, right. He's he's got three out of his last. So he's played. He didn't play here last year. Uh, in the four years previous, three top 18 finishes. Played well at the Wyndham. Played well. At the, like he he's going to be popular at 8900 and I'll, I'll go ahead and, and just pay up for the basically what i think is a better version of kevin streelman and that's keegan bradley so i'm you know that's sort of the trade-off there for me um as we go down the list though i think Seamus power i mean what's really interesting about power first of all he's been very good yes second of all his history here is unless i'm reading this wrong i mean he's he's played he's played here four times dating back to 2017 which is really interesting for kind of a what a relative newcomer to the pga tour and uh he's been pretty good. I mean, other than a miscut, he's been top 30 in each of those editions. And and those were editions of himself that were not as good as the edition we're seeing right now. That's correct. Yeah. He is much better now uh, than he was. I mean, you can even see it on this chart here. I mean, from, you know, he was a slow climb in running strokes gain total up until uh, the end of 2018. And then he really started to struggle. And then now it's been this kind of, I don't want to call it a meteoric rise, but it really has been. He has six top 10 finishes 
excuse me, six top 20 finishes in his last eight starts. One of them was a victory at the Barbasol Championship, and then he finished 31st at the Northern Trust. That was a playoff event. That is where his uh, his season ended. He did not move on to the BMW Championship. But but you're you're right, Sia. He is uh, certainly playing the best golf of his career, and he is priced to move at $8,800. So it's kind of interesting. Um, anyone else uh, in this upper 8K range that you are excited about? There's a couple guys that give me worry, but are you excited about anyone? Yeah, there, there's a few guys. Um, you know, I, I think I'd be willing to take a chance on Carlos Ortiz. The metrics are not going to be good on him, but his course history is really good. And, and I think when it, if I'm, and we've done this exercise before, my experience, and I haven't run the data here, Rick, but is that course history typically trumps recent form. In, in, in what I mean by that is that if you have bad recent form and you have really good course history, usually the course history bears itself out. And Ortiz, a fourth in 2020, a third in 2019, miscut in 2021, uh, I, I think he has a chance to shine. And we know a guy like Carlos Ortiz can get hot as well. Those results that Sia mentions, uh, they equate to gaining about 2.2 strokes per round on the field in his history at the Country Club of Jackson. It is three years. That is the most of anyone, not only in this field, but anyone on tour with at least 10 rounds played. So this is very clearly a good spot for him. If you start to look at what his recent form is, it can get a bit hairy, but hold on. I just had it up here. Uh, we go back to that same exercise, which is 24 rounds. This is the same, um, you know, uh, setup that I, that I mentioned Harold Varner, the third being the fourth best approach player. Carlos Ortiz is the fifth best approach player in those 24 rounds. Now he has been horrid uh, with the flat stick, but it, it, you think maybe a couple of weeks to, to kind of get his stuff figured out. Maybe he can come back and, and roll the rock a little bit better at a place that he has had good success at. Yeah. And, and I'll say this, the only other two guys that I'm going to be looking at are Aaron Wise and CT Pan. I mean, I'll start with Aaron Wise. I mean, obviously, he's a guy that can really struggle with the putter, but it's not that I'm ignoring that, but, but I do think it's minimized a little bit just based on some of the past winners and some of the past successes here. And CT Pan, like I, I'm I'm almost ready to say that CT Pan is, you know, a, a pretty good golfer. Like in, in my model, he's he's within the top 35. Approach has been pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm going back a number of rounds. I, I went to 50 rounds for this particular tournament, but the proximities, you know, the, the, the wedge sort of proximities are decent. Uh, I, I think he does have some upside. I think he's flashed recently. Yeah, he finished sixth at the Fortinet and 12th here last year. Obviously, he got that. Uh, <laughs> could you imagine if I would have listed off the names that were in that bronze medal playoff in Tokyo? And I would have said, who wins this thing? Uh, CT Pan would have probably been a pretty unpopular selection, yet he was the one that came out victorious. Very, uh, very exciting to see. We have to do we have to do the Matthew Wolf conversation mm -hmm. because this is now uh, the second I'm going to call it extended break. Uh, for Matthew Wolf. The first one was him taking time, time off after the Zurich Classic uh, for about two months before coming back to the U.S. Open. And at that U.S. Open for at least the first two, two and a half rounds, and even on the advanced metric sheet, looked really good. Looked like vintage, vintage for a guy who's as young as Matthew Wolf, but you get the point, mm -hmm. playing to his DNA. And then he wasn't necessarily able to, to keep that up for the rest of the season. And now we've had about another five-week stretch for him to 
hopefully figure out the woes with the driver. That's the, that's the thing. Uh, Matthew Wolf will go as far as his driver allows him to. And he has been very bad off the tee over the course of, I mean, geez, the last year or so, basically. So do we have any level of expectations for Matthew Wolf when he gets out to the country club of Jackson? I mean, I'm playing him. If I'm playing him at all, it's it's showdown or like first round leader. I just don't trust it over four rounds. And if I get burned because Matthew Wolf is all of a sudden great over four days, then then so be it. I'm willing to accept that. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, I think he's I think he's priced in a way. This is like this is like uh, you know DraftKings playing a little bit of defense. I know our friends over at Caesars playing a little bit of defense as well. They're not going to get burned on this, but it's like I don't know how excited I am to pay 8,500 or I think he was 40 to one last time I saw him. It's just it's fascinating. I will probably tread uh, carefully, take a wait and see approach. But I'm obviously I'm obviously rooting for him. I hope he goes out and um, I hope he goes out and plays well. $7,000 range. I will not read all of these names. They start with Brendan Todd, Joseph Bramlett. They go all the way down to a handful of guys at the $7,000 range, including uh, Mississippi State's own Chad Ramey, Roger Sloan, Sepp Straka, also at $7,000 flat. Let's find some value here, Sia, because if you are going to play maybe two guys in the 9K range, maybe you're going to go up and get one of those guys in the 10K range. This is probably a natural landing spot for a lot of your players. Yeah, and it's it's not a spot that I uh, that I love to be honest with you. I, I'm not in love with the seven K range, but there are a few guys I have my eye on. Um, let's see. One of them is Luke List. I, I think Luke List. Listen, his his recent form hasn't been good. His course history really isn't very good, other than a second place finish in 2017, which is pretty impressive. Other than that, it's a couple missed cuts. But I, I just think. Uh, I'm willing to ignore the recent form with Luke List. I've seen him flash before, and, and I think in this field he could actually do really well. We, we know he's good off the tee. We know he's good, you know, pretty good on approach. It's really the putter that, that tends to hold him back the most. So Luke List is one of my guys here. And that let's was nice. See. That was nice of you to say. Holds him back the most. Yeah, he's terrible. Wow, that's he's bad. terrible with the putter. But um, you know, I, I do think you're right from the from the perspective of he doesn't he doesn't trend. He just pops, right? I mean, here's here's a great example. Charles Schwab Memorial Palmetto. Miscut, miscut, miscut. T4 at the John Deere, T5 at Barbasol. It's not like you're going to necessarily see it coming, which is why getting Luke List at presumably a pretty good price and almost certainly low ownership with a little bit of popping ability, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, and, and so the thing is, if you go with the narrative that a bad putter could be good on these greens, or at least average on these greens, I mean, those two tournaments you just flashed there, I mean, he ball striking, he gained 10 in one of them and six plus in the other one. So it's the kind of thing, again, you're, you're, you're looking for guys that can flash really, really in any golf tournament. And I don't think he's going to find much trouble here, especially with that ball striking. So if the putter can be average, I, I think he's in good shape. Another guy that's really good off the tee that I like in this range is Patrick Rogers, who has also flashed recently. He's, he's been pretty good. I think it was a, what yeah. was it, a six at the Fortinet. Um, his history here is, you know, kind of middling, miscut 61st, 14th. Nothing to write home about, but honestly, I think he's in a nice little zone here. So he's another guy, and I'll I'll, I'll just give you one other name here, uh, Henrik Norlander. Um, I, I think I, I put something out on Twitter today where I was uh, I was going to put Henrik Norlander as a first round leader. I think I'm going to add Matthew Wolf to that, by the way. And it was just a random thing that that I put out there, but I probably will play that. I, I think Henrik Norlander is also the type of guy that his game has actually improved. We might have talked about him three four weeks ago, where. Norlander maybe six months ago was really, really bad. And I think especially we he saw was. it at the Olympics. We saw it at a couple of the other tournaments he's played. He's been a lot better. 
And I think this is a course that really like meets his specifications quite well. Yeah, T5 at Barbasol just a couple of starts ago. He also had a very good finish here last year. He finished fourth. He's $7,200. I do not like this range. I do not like this range uh, much at all. Joseph mm -hmm. Bramlett at 7900 Kind of interesting. So it's not going to necessarily show up here on the cheat sheet or if you're just looking at his PGA Tour results. But he won the Corn Ferry Tour Finals uh, a hand like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, he won that event. He had a couple of top twenties at the end down the stretch there on the corn ferry. And he did make the cut at the Fortinet. He's a long hitter, uh, not a very accurate one. As we know, that is generally a pretty good, um, model if you're going to do that somewhere doing it at the country club of jackson is not the worst place to do it and then i continue to think david lipsky is going to be 10 to 12 starts ahead of his peers here see because lipsky's now played i think like 20 pga tour events including a 22nd last week at the or two weeks ago at the fortinet he had a 64 on friday it was one of the low rounds of the day and he you know it's weird being on tour for the first time he's got a little bit more experience than everybody else he'll be a little bit more comfortable i think in these early starts than some of these other you know recent grads or guys that now have their tour card but otherwise this 7k range man is um ugly so let me give you another guy that, and by the way, I love your Lipsky call. And you you made that call at the Fortinet, which you might have just said, but that was pretty impressive because he, he was he was quite good. I mean, he kind of tailed off a little bit, but he was quite good. So I like the call there. But Matt Wallace is another guy that might be just improperly priced here uh, at 7,100. I mean, he's, he's good off the tee. He's even better on approach. Okay with the putter. Uh, the proximities that we're, we'll be focused on, he, he's pretty good there. And his his birdie average is, is good as well. I know we don't have much recent form or course history to go on, but. Yeah, he's good. played. Um, yes, correct. So our last, uh, the Northern Trust, I believe, is the last one that we have for him. He's played uh, two European events since then. He's missed the cut in both, but he's still three starts removed from a T8 on the European Tour, which is, which was the Kazoo Open. So I agree. I think that there's uh, certainly enough talent from the world's number 74 ranked player because he is uh, being priced below many other not very good players. So, uh, what about Seb Straka? Seb Straka is like your your Luke List kind of guy. It's either going to be mm -hmm. miscut or top fifteen finish. I I don't, uh, know this. I don't mind that. It's just it, his history here is is pretty bad. Three miscuts in a row doesn't Look doesn't speak guy. to me. <laughs> He's such a freak. All right, let's try let's try out the six thousand dollar range. Uh, if you thought the seven K range was ugly, welcome to the six K range. So starts out with Brian Stewart, Grayson Sieg, Hudson Swafford, Nick Hardy. Rory Sabatini, we can talk about him, goes all the way down to Min Price. Oh, boy. J.J. Spawn is Min Price. Um, William McGirt is Min Price. Paul Barjan, who's actually, uh, I actually think much better than this, is Min Price. Was 42nd at the Fortinet, has made three PGA Tour cuts in a row, played well on the Corn Ferry last year. Sorry, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. See, a $6,000 range. Is there anybody, I don't even want to say appetizing. Is there anybody like, palatable like what what can we what can we handle here in the 6k there was a guy in, in one of the lineups i made that was really really low and i'm trying to find him i think he was 6200 uh let's see here man i'm gonna i'm gonna have to find him later because i definitely was able to put him <laughs> into my lineup with like some semblance of confidence but i'll, I'll find him later but there, there's not much here obviously i think hudson swafford is interesting um as i go down the list adam shank is there and adam shank has been pretty solid 
lately. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't mind rostering him. I think if Greg were here, I think Camilo Villegas would probably be the name coming out of his mouth here. Um, other than that, th- there's just not a lot here. Uh, Trey Molinex is is a guy that I, I think is interesting. Um, you know, he's coming off, I, I guess he's coming from the Corn Ferry Tour, but he's had some PGA Tour um, experience as well. And, and I do think he hits it a, quite a long way. So I'm going to have to look at his um, his distance numbers. But other than that, Rick, there's there's just not a lot here that I'm super excited about. Uh, Wind- Wyndham Clark. Wyndham Clark's another guy, by the way. Wyndham Clark is kind of interesting. John Augustine, I'm keeping an eye on. He's $6,700, All-American out of Vanderbilt. And he has played, he's played a, I, I don't want to say a bunch, but like eight to 10 events on the PGA Tour in 2021. Most of them have not gone well, but the last three he's made cuts in. Charles Schwab, he was T20. Wyndham, he was T37 and then T6 at the Fortinet. And um, he has gained strokes on approach in five straight PGA Tour starts. He's gained strokes putting in three straight. There's going to be this kind of weird learning curve for a lot of guys who are now playing much more often on the PGA Tour. And I'm 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 excited to see what Augustine becomes. Um, again, All-American out of Vanderbilt. But you look at the rest of these names here. This really starts to kind of dictate how, and I hate, and I hate that. I hate that this is going to start to dictate how I build my lineup, Sia. But there's just really nothing to be excited about. I mean, if you want, if you want course history, Denny McCarthy is 6,600 and has three consecutive top 20 finishes at the Country Club of Jackson. Great mm-hmm. putter in general, great on Bermuda as well. But um, it's ugly, my friend. Yeah, I think a sneaky name is uh, at 6,800 is Sahith Thigala, another guy that Greg mentioned a, a few shows ago. I was probably at the Fortinet um, where he did make the cut and finished respectably. Um, you know, I had heard, I was on a different show and I had heard, I had heard from somebody that um, Sahith actually had a wrist injury over the last, uh, in, I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, this is third hand here, so I, I don't want to like break news here, but uh, that was sort of holding him back over the last year or so to some degree. And my understanding was that that, that wrist injury is, is fully healed. Mm. And I think he he might be a guy because of that ready to pop a little bit more than people expect. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on Sahith. The All right. Here's what I'm going to do. Top of the 6K range. I mean, might just we might just roll with Rory, right? The the other Rory, Sabatini, tenth at the Wyndham. We know he finished uh, in second, silver medal at the Olympics. Last two trips to to Jackson, a twelfth and a twentieth. I feel like I can trust that a little bit. And I was digging more into Paul Barjan, who I saw uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. He is the min price, so he made the cut at the Fortinet. His start before that was a T four at one of the final Corn Ferry events. Uh, made the cut at the Albertsons Boise Open. Again, one of those final Corn Ferry Tour events coming down the stretch there. Has made three cuts in a row on the PGA Tour. Um, listen, if 6K Paul Barjan makes the cut and gets me access to a lot of other golfers in the 10 and 9K range, like, I don't know, man. They're all the same, sub like 7,300. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. If I'm going all the way down to 6K, I, I mean, I'll, I'll throw another guy uh, guy's name in, in the ring here. It's JJ Spawn. Yeah, JJ Spawn, he was min price, right? That's what yeah. that one of the guys I I shouted out here. So JJ Spawn, absolutely min priced. He's made the cut. Actually, two top 36 finishes in his last three trips to 
the country club of Jackson for Mr. Spawn. So, okay, this week, um, <laughs> what would be what would be too chalky, right? So, like, if we get Kevin Streelman, like, what number are we willing to play Kevin Streelman? What number would you start to get concerned around some of the guys in the 10K range? You we we often talk about kind of fading that chalk, especially for PGA, especially here early in the year where we might not have seen some of these guys play in five weeks. Some of these guys have not played on, on the PGA tour in five weeks. We don't know what they're up to. What is our general uh, risk tolerance for this week? Yeah. I think once you see, if you see guys and I don't think there's going to be anybody super chalky here, if there is, it's going to be maybe like one or two guys. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Mito just gets a ton of airtime over the next few days and he becomes yes. chalky. But I think once you see a guy that's like in the 15% range or higher, I think you really have to reconsider rostering him no matter how much you like. I mean, that doesn't mean you shouldn't play him, but but I just think with this type of tournament, you're going to see so much variance, volatility, if you will, that it just doesn't seem worth it to roster a guy that's like 19 or 23%. Now, 15% is kind of a, a, lower, a lower mark, and I, I only gave a lower mark because – there's other than maybe a couple guys, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of like super chalk, like 23, 24, 25%. But as soon as it creeps past 15%, I'd really give a hard look to, to asking yourself or, or telling yourself, hey, do, do I really, really like this guy? Because I'm going to be moving along with the pack to some degree if, if he does well. This concludes our DFS preview for the Sanderson Farms Championship, which Sia is... I, I said top five. It might be a top three trophy on the PGA Tour, which is the the rooster. Uh, mm -hmm. Other ones in the mix. The rocket mortgage uh, Excalibur type thing that comes that comes out of its base. And, oh boy. Um, you got to think trophy. Jackets don't count. So you got to think trophy. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to compile a complete list, but this Safe, is a good one. Safeway Barrel was up there. Safeway Barrel. They got rid of that. <laughs> now it's the worst one. Now now the Fortinet is literally the worst trophy on tour. They went I, from top three to the worst. Can I tell you my favorite? It's the CJ Cup, but it's actually a plaque. It's a plaque? Yeah. Hold on. If I remember correctly, it's... But, but why do you but why do you like that one though because i just oh. love like the the just sort of fu nature of like we're calling our oh. tournament the cj cup but the trophy is a oh, oh I see a, it's, yeah it's a square play it's like a square it's not a cup at all it's not a cup <laughs> hold on let me pull it up that's so bad it's not a cup what are they doing Oh, there's a good one. If you can find the one with Kokrak. Yeah. Okay. So scroll down a little bit further. Kokrak has it in one hand, like up over his head. I don't know if we're going to be able to find it. Oh man. I don't know. There it is on the right. The middle one, middle on the right hand side, second from the right. Yes. That's the one. Look at this. It's not even a cup. Jason Kokrak's got it in one hand over his head. Yeah. That's disgusting. That's not right. We can't do that. At some point, we will have to do a definitive rankings of uh, PGA Tour trophies, but we're gonna have to set some rules because the mask, the green jacket, doesn't count. And also, if it's PGA Tour, maybe it shouldn't count at all. But um, and can you can you guys please tweet at us? Uh, maybe maybe like synonymous phrases for birdie fest. I I I think we should have like five in the hopper. Also, a new word for hopper because I don't know what else to use there. So you have two homework assignments to everybody listening. Give us some new vocabulary, please, and we will work them into the show. Let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there. It's Sia Najat. Tweet all your, your new phrases, whatever you want. Tweet anything you want at Sia Najat on Twitter. 
You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.